This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. As use of the internet grows and changes, so has the ability of users to search for specific content or stories, photos, and videos that relate to certain topics of interest. One of the companies trying to harness and expand the power of search is Cool, which is developing Cpedia, an engine that promises less repetition, an encyclopedia-style summary for each search, results that integrate related topics, and input and recommendations from users' social networks. Cool Vice President of Business Development and Finance, Saval Oz, talked with Knowledge at Wharton during the recent Future of Publishing conference in New York. Um, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about Cool and the mission and sort of, I guess, some of your current services, some, maybe some that are under, under development? Sure. Cool is a search engine uh, that's differentiated from the other two search engines that crawl the World Wide Web, uh, the first being Google, the second being, being Microsoft, in that our mission is more about uh, keeping the user on the page, enabling them to discover content, related content, and visualization of content uh, so that you can find things serendipitously that you didn't know necessarily you were looking for. The second differentiator with Cool is that Cool has been searching and mining um, the World Wide Web for intersections and long tail quarries, uh, in that we think that the next generation of uh, search ought to be about intersections and finding more specific topics that are related to each other, um, such as osteoporosis, hypertension, side effects. Uh, and that's also changing the way in which people use search because they're ena it's enabling the user to find more specific information about topics that they're querying. Now tell me a little bit about, I think in the panel that you all talked a little bit about the importance of maybe creating an opportunity for contextual searches. Tell me how, how does that differ from if someone were to go on a search engine now and type in, like type in those three terms that you just mentioned and they get back the list. What's the difference between that and a more contextual search? Sure. Um, well, when you type in right now osteoporosis, hypertension, and um, uh, let's say side effects, um, what Cool gives you or tries to give you is uh, the contents that you can find on the web that are percolating to the top, but also related on the right-hand side is all about contextual search. It's categories that come up, maybe the actual um, nomenclature for the particular disease, maybe a specific, specific drugs that are um, attributed to that disease, uh, maybe side effects and medications. Um, and then the next generation of what we're doing is creating um, your social network inputs for that, so that if you're connected to Facebook, for example, you get your friends or colleagues or peers' views on those topics or related topics. It may not pick up, someone might not have said something specifically using the word hypertension, but they might have said high blood pressure. So our ability to mine the deep down web enables us to draw inferences between the pages that exist on similar concepts and understand that those similar concepts are related. And I think the third part of the contextual search is really um, peer recommendation, um, which comes from, again, having, uh, having integrated search results from your social networks. 
Mm-hmm. So it kind of bridges the gap between what I have in my head, but I can't quite figure out the right words to type it out to get that to come up. Exactly. And wow, I didn't know that there was a bad side effect uh, in a particular drug when I took it for hypertension that might be creating other things like obesity and you know hair growth, et cetera. So a lot of information that you may not expect, but serendipitously find there related to your query. Mm-hmm. Now, at the, in the, during the panel, and I think throughout the day, other panelists will talk about this too, but sort of how important identity is and everything that's going on with social media and searches. So tell me, I mean, and I sort of like the story that you told about your niece at Princeton who would use social networking to kind of interact with people that she couldn't walk up to at parties. And that brings me to my question. I mean, what do you think, how do you think identity creates opportunities for search, but how do you also think it creates limitations? Because she still, I mean, she wouldn't walk up to them. Does that mean she was limiting herself when she was talking to them on Facebook? I mean, well, well, I think reputation isn't going to exist anymore on the web. I mean, I think we're talking about a level playing field pretty much. I mean, every piece of information that's out there on you is susceptible to being recorded and tweaked about and and come up. Um, But I do think that it's important that people do claim identities on the web going forward because in as much that the web tries to remain agnostic, you also need to try and claim who you are. And it's really a powerful tool for the individual because there is so much information out there. So your ability to kind of surface information about yourself or your friends or your reputation or the work that you're doing is important to be able to control that channel, I think. Um, Cpedia, I'll segue into that because it's a very powerful tool, is the next or third page of search in that um, from search box to search results to actual content production, now we're talking about content that is surfacing automatically through algorithms that generate web-based content. So it's a summary engine. It's almost like a Wikipedia, but the difference between Wikipedia and Cpedia is that this enables, um, this is not user-generated, and it's allowing other points of references, which Wikipedia doesn't do. Also, right now, if you go to the web and you search someone like myself, I don't have a Wikipedia page. There are only 200,000 active Wikipedia pages out there. So it leaves a huge radar um, for everyone else out there who doesn't, who, who, who you can't specifically read something on the go about. Let's say you're going to an interview and you want to read about someone that you're being interviewed with or talking to, um, unless you go to their LinkedIn profile or their Facebook if you're a net, on their network. There's very little information maybe pertaining to them, but this auto-generated summary, Cpedia, enables you to find at a blink's notice, all the information out there on a particular person. If it's not the right person, it tells you it's not the right person. It disambiguates between that person and people with similar names so that you can find that person. And that's also the problem with the web right now is that there's so much information out there that people don't really know, is that the same Saval Oz that lived in Wilmington, Delaware in 1986? Well, Cpedia, because it has information and access to all that data, tells you that it is. Um, And in fact, we're finding enterprise search being a very interesting part of this because now um, people are starting to want to have background information on people, credit reporting, the U.S. government, the Anti-Terrorist Act. So there's other utility that's coming out from being able to mine this data and present this data. Now, CPDA being a product, one of a product cool. of cool. Yes, it's right. a product of cools. Yes, but it's but it's kind of um, it's kind of taking what we've always been doing, which is mining. I mean, we crawl a billion pages a day on a hundred and twenty billion page index. That gives us a huge scalability of being able to manage this data, where it you know where it's it's a pretty powerful tool to be able to just algorithmically create or auto-generate summary pages. Now, Cpedia is currently 
available yeah, or in the rollout phase? Or? We call it Alpha Cipedia because it's version one, and like any other version one, it leaves something to be desired in terms of polish. So absolutely, we're we're loving all the feedback we're getting. Uh, it is a very very difficult problem that we're trying to solve, so it takes time. And uh, it's not it's not something that's going to clearly be out there as a branded ready product, you know, in, in, in two months. It's going to take time as people use it and come back on feedback. It works better in some verticals than it does in others. Like people search, it's better than product search. But you know, I find very interesting information. You know, a, 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 a specific branded for switch, which was having a customers were having a difficult time figuring out, you know, what cable works on it. That was out there because people talked about their problems with using certain cables with certain switches. So there's a lot of information on the web that doesn't necessarily surface to the top because maybe people don't want it to. <laughs> I'm not throwing any jabs at any particular large U.S. conglomerates, but I mean, we have a right to know as, 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 as the public if there are side effects with certain drugs that are being talked about or if there are certain problems with certain cars, manufacturers, and we want to engage in that conversation. We want to be a part of it. We want to watch what thought leaders are saying about that. We want to somehow feel a part of the experience. And that was the beauty of Facebook. Facebook really created the user experience. People went on to Facebook. They didn't have to do anything. They just wanted to watch what their friends were doing, you know, feel part, feel connected. And I think the web going forward is about feeling connected and people use the word engagement and people are trying to monetize engagement but I like to think of it in terms of not necessarily monetization but the connectability of every individual to another. Mm -hmm. And now actually to bring my, that sort of brings me to my last question. Tell me, I mean, what do you think over sort of the history of internet search in the past several years, I mean, what do you think it has taught us, or maybe, when I say us, maybe publishers and companies about maybe assumptions that they had that based on what people have sort of shown that they like were totally wrong? I think there have been a lot of examples of that. And um, although I don't want to pinpoint on any particular ones right now, I think that um, when people start using the web and when companies start trying to track information, advertising information, you know, a product that was released last year at a certain time, and I think people are finding the power of groundswell movements, especially in America. I mean, every large civil movement in this country has been a grassroots or groundswell, even the election of our president. And if you think about the election of our president, it was mainly done through the web. His campaign was completely web-centric. So it's a great example in modern history of how the use of the web can create really positive results for the country. Um, I also think there ought to be other applications like, you know, non-for-profit foundation search. You know, so you can actually go and search on a search engine that relates to green, or relates to, you know, the things that you believe in. I mean, uh, one of our comments at the work has always been, let's create a, a blue and a red search engine for, for, for Republicans and for Democrats. The Democrats can find things that are related to their vision and Republicans can find related to their And I don't see that, I, I see that potentially happening in the year 2020. Uh, so yes, absolutely, search is a powerful tool that people can aggregate ideas, like-minded ideas around. But it also has danger in the fact that if it's not used carefully and if it's not used with a bit of concern over privacy, um, it can be misused. So we need to have controls, regulatory controls, and I think you'll see Facebook and Google and, and search engines like ourselves grappling with these tools and making sure that we're not infringing upon people's privacies. Great. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.